We are on Chagiga Yud Aleph Omer Aleph on 11A2 in the art school. And God willing, we will complete the first chapter of Chagiga today. The, we are in the middle of discussing the different categories that are mentioned in the Mishnah from last week's recording. The Mishnah, in its last grouping, said that gave a list of various categories of a halacha, of law, in which they are found in the written Torah, but it says that Yishlehem Almi, the exact language is Yishlehem Almash Yismuchu, that they have the written Torah to rely upon, that it's found in the written Torah, but Yishlehem, there are the laws to rely upon, implication being that there are some laws, there are a part of those categories in which it is not explicit in the Torah. And so we went through a few of them in the last recording, and we will now continue with the different lists to figure out which ones are not explicit in the Torah within each category. So yesterday, in the, in the last recording, we discussed monetary law, and we also discussed korbanos, sacrifices, different sacrifices. And we are now going to continue in that list. So the next one on the list is taharos. It's in the very big, bottom of 11A2. Turning the page to 1183 in the art school, Taharos is the way to become pure, purity. So the Gemara asks, Mechtav Ksivan, but we know the laws of purity are written in the Torah. What is not explicit in the Torah? So the Gemara answers, We need it for the measurement of a mikvah. The way one becomes pure is by going to the mikvah. For different impurities, you, you would need, potentially need more than just going to the mikvah, but at the minimum, it would need going. It would require going to the mikvah. So you would have to go to the mikvah, and the amount, the measurement for how much water has to be in the mikvah, that is not explicit in the Torah. That is hinted at in the Torah, and it's just important to note that when it comes to all measurements, it seems to be that all measurements are not explicit in the Torah. They are halachal moshe misinai. They are passed down from generation to generation. But the measurements for the mikvah is also not written in the Torah. It's Loksiva. The Tanya, as it was taught in a brisa, the brisa says, "Verachatz b'mayim." The first part of the verse says, "Verachatz b'mayim." You should go b'mayim b'mei mikvah. You have to go into gathered water. Rashi, the classic commentator, explains that it cannot be drawn water. It cannot be what's called mayim shuuven. It cannot be drawn water. A mikvah has to be gathered naturally, gathered water. And that's what we have in our mikvahs today. We have naturally gathered water in one area, and in the other area, it's not it's not naturally gathered water, but you have the basic amount in one area, and then there's a way to connect it, which is a longer discussion. But in our modern-day mikvahs, we also have a separate area where we have naturally gathered water. It was not drawn water. And that comes from that verse. The first half of the verse, v'rachat b'amayim, you have to be immersed in the water. The next, second part of the verse says, as kol besara, that your entire body has to go into the water. And that tells us how much, it, how much we require. Mayim shekol gufo ola bahen. Ask me enough water that the whole body can enter. Bekamehen, how much is that? How much is, uh, is it, how much water do we need that it will cover the entire body? So we say, ama al ama berom shalosh amos. The average person is ama, one ama by one ama. In length and width, one amma by one amma, and then three amos in height. So how much is that 
in terms of the volume, the volume ends up being, if you were to fill up uh, that amount of one amma by one amma and by three amos, three cubic amos, so then it will come out to 40 saw. 40 saw is approximately a little bit less than 300 liters of water. So you need 300 liters of water, which are naturally gathered. It's not drawn water, but naturally gathered water. That is what makes up a mikvah. Okay? And that part is not explicit in the Torah. The The amount of water is not, it's a biblical obligation, it's, it's biblically required, but it is not found explicitly in the Torah. Okay? The next category is tumos, is contamination, is how do you become impure. We just dealt with taharos, of the process of becoming pure, with regards to what's the difference whether you become pure or impure with regards to eating that which is holy from the korbanos, from the various sacrifices, um, and also from uh, and also from with regards to going into the base of Migdash, with regards to going into the temple, you have to become pure. So if you're impure, you have to go into the mikvah. So the next category is tumos. Tumos, the Gemara also asks the same question, mikvah, sivan. The laws of impurity are also found explicitly in the written Torah. So the Gemara says, It's required for the following measurement. One of the things which contaminate is what's called a sheret, a crawling animal, a dead, an animal which was a crawling animal which is dead. And if you touch it, so then you become impure. So what is the size of this animal? Let's say the animal is not uh, complete. So what is the minimal size of the animal that you touch that you become impure? So the amount of that is the size of a lentil, a lentil-sized piece of a sheret. It's called a sheret of a crawling animal. Deloxiva, it's not found explicitly in the Torah. Ditanya, as it's taught in a b'risa from the time period of the Mishnah, the verse says, Bahem and Mayhem, with them, with touching the animal, this sheret. But it also says Mayhem, from them, meaning not in its entirety. So in one word, it's, it implies that it's in its entirety. And in another word, it implies that it's not within, not t- even if you could become tame, you could become impure, even if you touch n- just a part of it, not its entirety. So the, the Brisa says, it says bahem, it says in its, with them, implication being in its entirety. And you would have thought that maybe you have to, you only become impure if you touch all of it. Tamalomar mayhem. No, the verse also says mayhem, only a part of it. Maybe if I only touch a part of it. No, but the other word that's used is with them, implication being that it's in its entirety. You have to touch all of the entire animal. So how do you resolve this? So the Gemara explains, the Bryce explains, It's by touching a part of it which is the equivalent to being it's in its entirety. What does that mean? We're going to see there are two different explanations as to what this means. But you are touching just a part of an animal, which is a bigger animal. But that amount did constitute the entirety of, an, of, of a live animal at some point in time. So, and the size of that is the size of a lentil. The size of a lentil is the minimal size of this crawling animal, these different types of crawling animals. At some stage, it was that size. So what is that stage? The first opinion says, Shekin chomet trilaso bechadasha. The chomet, one of the crawling uh, creatures, at the beginning of its existence was the size of a lentil. 
So since at the beginning of its, of its existence it was the size of a lentil, that is the amount that you need to touch, even if you're touching in a different cre- crawling creature where it's larger, but it just a piece was cut off, and if you were to touch that, so then that makes you impure if, as long as it's the size of a lentil. Rabbi the son of Rabbi says, it brings a different source that the size of a lentil is a complete animal. Kizanov haltav, the tail of a lizard. Because the tail of a lizard explains Rashi, the classic commentator, that the tail of a lizard, once if you were to cut off the tail of the lizard, so then it continues to move around. Since it continues to move around, it's viewed as alive, and that tail of a lizard could be the size of a lentil. So we have two different sources where you have an animal which it's, it's alive on its own, either at the beginning of its existence or as the tail of a lizard, and it has the size of a lentil. Since that's the case, so then if you, even if you were to touch a larger animal, we're talking about a dead, crawling animal, and it just, but you just touch a piece of it which is the size of a lentil, so then you also become tummy, you become impure. Moving on to the next category, the last category of arayos, illicit sexual relations. This is on, we're now turning to 11A4. The Gemaris asks the same, same question as the previous, the same question that it asked them with regards to the previous categories. Myth of Ksivan, it's found explicitly in the Torah. What does it mean that it's hinted to in the Torah? Lo Nitzrucha Ella, turning the page here to 11B1. Libito Meanusaso. We need it for the case of uh, the fact that if you were to, uh, God forbid, if somebody would, would uh, force relations onto somebody else, that they're raping, they would rape a woman. And the woman would become pregnant and they would have a daughter. So then you are forbidden to have relations with that daughter. We know that, because that's not explicitly written in the Torah. What's written in the Torah is that you're not allowed to have relations with your stepdaughter, with definitely your natural daughter, uh, with your stepdaughter, and also with uh, the grandchildren of that. It also mentions in the verse explicitly that you're not allowed to have relations with a grandchild that's the product of a rape of of um, somebody that you forced to have relations with you, a woman, and then she has a child, and then the grandchild also you're forbidden to to have relations with. But it never says explicitly in the Torah with regards to a daughter, the daughter of somebody that, uh, God forbid, in this case it should never happen, but somebody who rapes somebody, who forces relations upon them, and then they have a daughter. It doesn't say explicitly in the Torah that you're forbidden to be with them. It does say with regards to a granddaughter. How do we know with regards to a daughter, even though you would think that it should be obvious, it should be certainly, uh, if it's if with regards to a granddaughter, so then certainly with regards to a daughter, but in order to apply these rules that it's forbidden and that there's punishments, it has to be explicit in the Torah, or at least from one of the different ways of deriving laws. To Amarava, Amarli, Rav Yitzchak Bar Avdimi. So how do we know this? Because Rav says in the name of Rav Yitzchak Bar Avdimi, It comes from various, what we've had in the past, Xerah Shavas, different words that are found in different contexts, the same word that's found in different contexts. So we have that connection to tell us that just like in one case, we equate granddaughters to daughters. So, in this case, we equate granddaughters to daughters, and then it's forbidden to have relations with a daughter from an anusa, from somebody that you forced to have relations with you. Okay, that concludes the different categories. At the very end of the Mishnah, going back to the Mishnah um, on, from last week's recording, the end of the end said, Vehein gufe, Vehein Torah. These are the laws 
they are the fundamentals of the Torah. The implication is that it's just with regards to that last category. Again, we have three different groupings. The, it sounds like it's just from that last category. So the Gemara asks, and these are the last lines of this chapter, Hani in, Hanachlo. Just that last category are the fundamentals of the Torah, but earlier than that, the different categories where it's not explicit in the written Torah, or it's just Porchen Ba'avi, or it's found almost entirely from the oral Torah, those are not fundamentals from the Torah? So the Gemara says, of course not. Both, all these different groupings, they're all are all fundamentals of the Torah, and I think what it's really trying to get at is whether it's found explicitly in the written Torah, or whether it's mostly in the written Torah, some of it's in the oral Torah, whether it's most of it is in the oral Torah, or almost its entirety is in the oral Torah, it is one Torah. The written Torah and the oral Torah are really one Torah. They're both the fundamentals of the Torah. And we conclude the chapter with Hadron Allah HaKol Chayavim, that we shall return to you to back to this to this chapter. We completed the first chapter of this tractate of Chagiga, and a big, big mazel tov to everybody that has been following along, especially those that have completed the first chapter of Gemara in their lives. So a big... A big mazel tov to, to all of you. And we conclude with Hadran Alech HaKol Chayav, that we want to return to you. That we finish this chapter, but we always conclude saying we want to return to you because we're not just studying this for information. Even if we remember all the information, we do it because we love to come back to you. We love to come back uh, to, to to Torah learning. It's, it's out of love, and so therefore we want to constantly review and review. And so a big mazel tov. And you should celebrate this. You should do a little dance. You should go out to eat. You should do something to celebrate the completion of this first chapter of Chagiga. And in tomorrow's recording, we will start a new chapter.